Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. My guest today is Wesley Faulkner, pronouns he, him. And I have to be honest, I don't remember. Life has been so wild that I don't even remember why I wanted to speak to Wesley, but I know it's important. So here we go. So, Wesley, please introduce yourself to the audience. Hello, my name is Wesley Faulkner. I'm based out of Austin, Texas. I've been in tech for over 20 years, but right now in my current role, I'm a developer advocate for Daily, which is an API-based platform, which allows you to either make your own Zoom-like interface or use video in a way that integrates the experience into your application. So the difference between Zoom, Zoom has Z apps or Zaps, where the, the applications are in Zoom, this with uh, Daily's API allows you to do the other way around. So you can add video to your applications. Okay. So we start this conversation as we always do. And because you are a listener, um, you know where we're going with this. Why is it important to cause a scene? And how are you causing a scene, Wesley? I've been thinking about this question and it's been rolling around in my head. And I was thinking of it from my experience that it's not a choice. I feel that the world itself needs to accept me in a way that I can accept myself. And so it's important to cause a scene so that for myself, that I can be seen and I can be heard. And I've gone through the road of trying to change myself, try to edit myself, try to censor myself that causes internal harm and damage and self-loathing and shame. And mentally that is not sustainable. And so I cause my cause a scene by being myself and trying to show up. And it's important to cause a scene, not only for my own stability and sustainability, but to hopefully make room and push the edges enough to allow more diverse thought and more diverse uh, experiences to have that same room that I'm trying to make for myself. Hmm. Hmm. So I guess I'll start with um, content warning. This is obviously going to be a mental health um, episode. So (laughs) um, just know that. And we're going to go full on because this podcast is not censored. We have tell real stories um, because we are, we've, we've pussyfooted around things for too long and we need to hear. Um, So talk, let's, so you were going to tell me and I was like, wait, tell me, wait till we got on, on, on the, on the air to tell me what, what brought you to my attention. I think um, what brought you on my radar is your experience with dealing with diversity and inclusion and making sure that people see the light and those who need to see the light may not always hear what you need, but those who are seeking information, you are lucky enough to put it out there for people to pick up. And my own journey uh, is 
for podcasts and for me to get my own word out. Uh, I've put out there on Twitter saying I'm looking to speak. I'm looking to talk one because I'm trying to get my reps in to be a better speaker. And two, um, because of my job, I'm a developer advocate. My, my job is to get the word out, to get out there, to get visible. And so the voice I'm trying to develop is on tech, on diversity and inclusion, and, um, and that includes neurodiversity and also to, to evangelize my company. And so when I put that tweet out, apparently several people sent a message to you uh, about me and said that I should be on your show. Um, so that matchmaking was done by some third party that I still don't know who it is <laughs> um, that you okay. try to respond to via love- DM, but it in turn went as an at reply out publicly. Ah, okay. Ah, yes, I remember that because I was like, who is him? Yes. Okay, somebody sent it to me and I was like, who is this person? And you were like, mm-hmm. um, I, you probably made a mistake, but I'm going to tell you who I am anyway. And I was like, well, first of all, I like that gumption, um, <laughs> but go ahead. And based on that, it was like, okay, let's now I remember. Oh, Lord, that seems like so long ago. <laughs> that was last year. That was, that was when we still had one country. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Um, So I wrote a note here because the thing that hits me is I, 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 um, for someone who follows me, you know, I am always talking about tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Mm -hmm. And, and when you have companies like um, Brian Armstrong at Coinbase and you have a Paul Graham at um, Y Combinator and you have the fictional I don't even know what to call them, like the Uncle Bobs of the world, uh, espousing these libertarian, apolitical mess when we're no longer making widgets. We are in a knowledge economy and we need to be hiring people for their lived experience. And to expect people to to leave their lived experiences at the door or... um, on the table before they log into a computer and then pick it back up is just absolutely ridiculous. And I took a note and I just drew a line job. And then I said, and then mental health. And this is what folks don't understand about inclusion, diversity, and equity work. Um, It's not the pipeline. (laughs) It is that we have shitty systems, institutions, and policies in place. And shitty is mild (laughs) because most of them are downright harmful and racist and discriminatory and oppressive. And to expect people to leave their mental health, whether that is deemed by the mental health community as healthy or, you know, depressive or suicidal or whatever, is unbelievable. And we had a good example of that with the, the, the insurrection attempt or insurrection on January 6th, because people, the, 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 the country was on fire basically, and employers acted as if nothing had happened and was expecting people to behave as if nothing had happened. We have to stop doing this. Mm-hmm. We have to act, stop acting as if the environment, the systems with which we 
operate don't impact the people, the partners, the customers, and the investors, as well as the products and services that we create. And also, I, I got to say, what happened on the six also was scary to me. But the same people and the same activities that were happening on the six happened on the fifth and the days before that. And tech yep. is responding, and, and, and since- but they're not retroactively <laughs> responding because I when. Uh, when people were making these threats online to you and me and people saying they're going to cut Dr. Fauci's head off, mm-hmm, the tech mm-hmm. is not retroactive in saying that was my mistake, that we should have mm-hmm. taken it more seriously. That that retroactive retrospect. Oh, I got yeah. blocked. I got blocked. Um, I got, no, got locked out of my account um, because someone decided to comment on, um, I don't know if you saw the video of the police officer walking the old white lady mm-hmm. down the stairs yep. doing, and I, and I quote retweeted, this is what white supremacy looks like. And I don't know why white folks can't just shut the fuck up. Cause that's an option. They never do. He comes into my thread, makes a comment and I just, you know, all caps, fuck you, fuck up, fuck the old white supremacists, blah, blah, blah. I get reported because I'm um, abusive and harassing. You came to me. And so it's this, like, like you just said, so not only are they retro, not retroactive, it's every, everything is equal. So they have this whole swing. Mm-hmm. And, and so I got, I got um, locked out for 12 hours the same day. Trump got permanently suspended. So you're treating everybody the same at this point. <laughs> How am I harassing and abusing when someone I'm replying to someone else? I think, I think that's a really good point that, and it's not the first time this happened. <laughs> it's, it's using it's, it's, it, it's, it's an equity in terms of even on the platform itself of not understanding the difference of how abuse happens and the weight of a, of a, not all men kind of com- kind of reply to mm-hmm. a conversation mm-hmm. and how harmful because it, it leaves room and perpetuates this misunderstanding that being confused on this subject is still okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's almost like I haven't learned that fire burns and, you know, I'm a middle-aged man. You should know that. And this shouldn't be, it shouldn't have shouldn't taken this long, but now that everyone's talking about it and now it's on fire and then you're still like, well, wait, hold on a second. People need to take a pause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Use this. <laughs> I think I have, I have access to Google. I'm not sure if you do, um, but it's, it's almost like. It's so complicated. I don't know. <laughs> it's almost like you just look at your newsfeed and there are plenty of ways to get the information you need. And if you are still confused, um, I'm not one to say you should be embarrassed, but it's definitely like you should look inside yourself and say, I need help, maybe professional help. And I don't mean that in a derogatory, mm-hmm. you're crazy. Yes, exactly. It's like mm-hmm. pay a service, find mm-hmm. someone to help you through this. And that's what I've been talking about. I'm no longer, we are no longer responsible for the feelings, managing the feelings of white people. Go get therapy. Yo, deal with your shit. <laughs> and I've been saying this a long time and I'm hoping that one day you or someone else takes this on, but we need a, a, a white supremacy privilege uh, rehab. So, so, Oh, it's so funny that you just said that because um, somebody said we need a um, white fragility boot camp. Something like, <laughs> like someone who's like, 
I was there at the rally. There, you see all the apologies coming out right now. I, I bet, right? They should say, "I'm I'm now going to be in Kim Kim's rehab for white supremacy <laughs> and white privilege, and uh, I'll be away. I'll be out of the media attention for the, for the next six weeks. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sequestering myself for yes. thirty days. <laughs> and then and then th- that's how you repair your reputation is be, being able to actually take some some a really good hard look at yourself and what you've done and the harm you've caused and not fall apart and saying, I'm a horrible person. What you you did is horrible. What you're hurting people is horrible. Fix it. And, and, and so, so you're, you're, you're saying they should stop ascribing to the, I say some privileged shit. I get called out on that privileged shit. I fall to pieces. I delete the tweets, close my account and come back two weeks later as if nothing happened. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it is, but the thing is, it's such a script. It is such a script. I mean, let's give some space. That playbook has worked many times. (laughs) Oh, oh, most definitely. Because as soon as they come back, everybody's like, oh, thank you for sharing how much you've learned and grown. Mm -hmm. And and we're black people sitting back like, what the fuck? Yes. (laughs) Take your daddy hat off and have a seat (laughs) and maybe listen for a bit to make some changes going forward. And I, it's scary that we spike in this way, like as a country, uh, George Floyd, mm-hmm. of course, people are doing the signaling of saying this is right. This is I mean, this is wrong. And mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do to try to fix this. And then you hear stuff like at Google with uh, Timit Jibru about what happened to her. Be mm-hmm. like, mm, really? And see that. And 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 I, and I know when Google did their reward risk um, evaluation, they did not understand the impact of a black woman who checks all the box and y'all still gaslit her ass and, and fired mm-hmm. her and caught They did not expect the, 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 the blowback that they got. They thought it was going to be, you know, her going off quietly. Um, they did not expect the, the community backlash because that could have easily been, because it happens all the time, but she checks every freaking box, everything you said that we need. And you still gaslit her. It's the hard conversations. Like a lot of people are trying to still trying to find a way around not having these hard conversations coming to these real truths about how they're approaching business and the structure and the system that we all live in. And if Google doesn't have the power to go against the system in terms of what they see people as and how they treat people, um, it makes it so much harder for all these other companies because now they can just point to the big behemoth in the room and saying they're profitable. They're um, making money hand over fist. Why, why, if they don't need to do it, why should we do it? Um, I think time and time again, we talk about when you invest in people of color, you, you, you invest in people who are underrepresented, that the money is 10 times, three times, one and a half times more in terms of an investment than uh, traditional, let's say, funding streams. Mm -hmm. But people aren't putting their money where their mouths are in terms of Mm -hmm. even using data, a data-driven company like Google, saying that (laughs) we need to invest here, not just because it's the right thing to do for humanity. I mean, yes, but... It's, this is actually, it's a good investment. This is gonna help sustain us as a company.
Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. This is actually a business investment. This is going to help sustain (laughs) us as a company. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So I want to get into more of your personal story because I want people to understand, again, content warning, this is mental health. Um, And I want you to just, because you wanted to tell Mm -hmm. your story. So I'm going to put myself on mute so you can tell your story. So I would say most recently, and I'm not, I'm not going to mention the company. Um, I had a role where the way that I approach things, the way that I talk to people, the way that I have care and feeding of my community, um, that that was seen as something that was worthy. That was something that they wanted to, an essence they wanted to bring into their company. And it was one of those things where it's like, we've seen you, we've seen your work, you're amazing, you're awesome. And I was brought in, and I'm not going to say the company, and um, and a lot of what I'm saying is probably applicable to many companies in my history. So if you're looking at what jobs I've had, you probably wouldn't be able to pinpoint it, but um, it's one of those, those things where it, when I came into the company, it didn't matter what I did in terms of results. There was always an overemphasis on how I did it. And so I was recognized as something who's doing something different, doing something noticeable, doing something that is genuine, connecting and honest. And then when I was brought into the company, many of these companies say they are inclusive and they really want diversity. Of course, many of those companies in terms of inclusive means assimilation, that culture is good as long as it's our culture. And the dominant culture is usually not one that has a lot of hues in it. And in those systems, when I was brought in to be the expert, the person who is going to help lead the way, it was less important about whether when I did the things that I did, that did get the results that they initially said they wanted, that if it wasn't moving the needle in the way they thought I would be moving the needle, if I didn't take the route that I, that I felt um, matched up what, what they wanted, but more what they needed. Uh, and usually the self identifying say, we need help. We need help getting, getting connected with people. We need help with connecting with our users. We need help hearing that feedback and acting on it. The way that I did it usually with more care, more focus on the individual, more understanding their individual needs, instead of broadcasting and placating and just totally marketing to people with telling them what they wanted and how we are and polishing the image. Um, It's hard for me 
personally to say, hey, we didn't screw up when we screw up. And that type of transparency was something that scared a lot of my previous employers. So copy paste that for several roles, several jobs. And so what I'm getting back is I'm bad at my job. What I'm getting back is that I'm not doing the stuff that's on the checklist. The things I'm getting back is that I'm a, not a team player. Things I'm getting back is that I'm taking too much ownership or not enough ownership. I'm too vocal. I'm not vocal enough. Uh, that I spend too much time fighting for is individual issues for people instead of focusing on the bigger picture and bringing in revenue. And the disconnect from people from thinking that what I'm doing in terms of customer loyalty and retention is akin to not spending money for, act, for, for, for people who are gonna just kind of churn and reaching the wrong audience. The right audience is what we need not just an audience. It kind of, when we talk about not a, there's a pipeline problem and you see numbers staying steady for these tech companies, what, what they're not reporting a lot of is, uh, is churn. What if they had a retention of every single one of those employees for, for each of those columns every single year? I bet they wouldn't be as steady in terms of the, these single digit percentages in these tech companies. It's, it's, it's almost as if, when they, they see me, it's like they have an apartment and they don't have ice. And they're like, hey, I'm looking around, I don't have ice and I'm the ice and they bring me to the apartment and they're like, okay, we fixed the problem of ice. And then I met, melt there on the counter and then they just get more ice instead of like making a freezer, buying a freezer and then making sure there's an environment to sustain the problem that they've recognized already. Um, this is very simple and, and very clear <laughs> example. Thank you for that. That was, that was amazing. Yes. <laughs> and so especially this summer with, uh, I lost my job. Uh, I, uh, George Floyd and racial protests happened. Uh, I was greenlit by saying all of this past history stuff about me not being good at my job, me not executing well, even though a third party assessment would just say, this is so not true. Um, being singled out, um, being told the diversity is too much of a focus. Um, and in fact, a distraction. Dealing with all this, it made me reevaluate, am I good? Am I, am I just denying what people are saying? There's so much evidence. There's so much evidence stacked up that's saying that I'm a crack person, that what I do is crap and what I believe in is crap, and my gut feeling of taking care of people is crap. And so everything that is like natural to me got put through this filter and say my, my instincts, my gut reaction, my reflexes is what makes me a bad person. And mentally that was extremely taxing on me. And uh, you know, I thought about if I can't be accepted, if there's no place that will accept me, Maybe I shouldn't be in this world. Maybe I should just 
delete the problem because I feel like I'm the problem. Uh, and, uh, I'm lucky that I have a lot of caring friends, caring, uh, community to have conversations and family members that help me understand that I am not the problem. The world is the problem. These people are the problem, uh, and has supercharged me even more to, to find my voice, find my passion and to put it out there and not let, not let the world dictate my own values. And just like you, I know you said that I think recently you um, tested as ADHD. I'm ADHD as well. I'm also dyslexic. And so um, these, these problems, I'm using air quotes, these problems are just a different way of seeing things and doing things to the point where that is the true, true beauty of diversity is being able to see things at multiple angles, uh, be able to put your arm around a situation in a different way that maybe finds uh, something that people weren't seeing before. But for us, it may be glaringly obvious. Um, so the, there's, I understand there's frustration on their end, but you know, there's equal frustration from our end, right? Because if it's so easy, if it's so easy, why can't they see it? And, um, and why, and can't, why they can't they do, they it? do it? Yes. <laughs> why can't they just let us do what we do? If we, do, if, if, it's, if there's already acknowledgement that we do things well, just let us do it. Just, just don't tell us how to do it. If you, if you know what needs to be done and we both are on the same page, maybe how we do it is a little bit different and maybe you should listen. Well, I'm going to stop you at this point because they don't know what they're doing. So I need to stop you from there. They don't. And so I'm sitting here. And I want to thank you, first of all, for making that initial, hey, you probably added me, but here I am. Because this conversation, um, and I already know I'm going to go get a, a weed gummy and go to sleep after this, because this is pretty damn deep. Because it's hitting me in so many, so I took some notes here. Um, I had a dream the other day. I mean, a few weeks, I think it was last week and I, oh, not last week. Cause last week was a week from hell. Um, the week before it was the last week of December and I put out a tweet and I woke up with a very strong phrase in my head. And it was, I showed up as my authentic self dot, dot, dot. And I was seen. That is all we ask for i mean if that just waking up with that was such a profound had a, such a profound sense of satisfaction and joy because that was what my dream was about every space in that dream was i had showed up as my authentic self and i had been seen and then i wrote what they wanted versus what they needed and this is <clears throat> very much a part of my consulting work um, folks reach out to me often trying to tell me what they need what they want it's never what they need and, um, and I'm not going to say 10%. No, it's never what they need because they don't have the level people's expertise in the industrial age was everybody's on a, a similar line. You're engineer. Your job is to make this, this thing we doing, make it perfect so that these people can manufacture it. We're in a, we're in a information economy, a knowledge economy. And so what you think you want 
through your, this is why I stopped you through their, their, what they think they want through their lens is not nowhere near what they need. It's never, it's never, I've not come across one client who told me what they wanted and it was actually what they needed. So that's that. And then I wrote questioning value, man, if that ain't some gaslighting right there. Um, And so I'm really thankful just meeting you that you did have a community of support that that was around you to, to counter that narrative because that narrative is what we all hear. And if we don't have that support based on various degrees of where we are, it impacts us in small and very harmful, impactful, I mean, deeply cutting. That's why I don't like the words um, microaggressions anymore. That's abuse. It's abusive behavior. It is abusive behavior. Um, no, so them telling you constantly, you're not enough, you're doing too much, you're not doing too much. I mean, that back and forth, they, they, these individuals, the default, makes these statements and they walk away. They've said it and they walk away. We're still sitting with this 24 hours, 48 hours later, trying to unpack some shit that does not make sense. And that's the part of the game that we don't understand because we've been told, again, with this assimilation stuff, if you just do this, it'll make sense or this will be the rules. But the, as, you, as you demonstrated or communicated, the line keeps changing. And so none of it, this is why they don't know what they want because they don't know shit. And this is why I don't want to hear from, if you, if you book me or hire me as a consultant, shut the fuck up. People are like, um, I did a workshop and they were like, um, do you want the, um, the feedback from the surveys? Why the hell would I want the feedback from the surveys? I'm here as an expert. What the hell are they, these individuals here? Most of them don't want to be here. What the hell? Are, so they could tell me they don't like my approach. I already know that. I don't want to hear about that. You're not going to mess up my mental health because I'm reading some bullshit from your, from your surveys. I'm not doing that. And then you think it's constructive feedback. No, it's not. It's nowhere near constructive. And then I wrote the skills developed via lived experiences are weaponized against us. The very thing that makes us make your product and service, your organization, your business thrive. We've, earned not handed to us we've earned through lived experience and when you when the systems institutions and policies turn around and weaponize that against us because that's our lived experience it is at our core it is fundamentally at our core so i want to just i just wanted to make sure i say to you i commend you because i I don't know your struggle, but I know your struggle. And to come out on the other side of that, when you have mediocre, unremarkable white fuckers just throwing out shit that they have no idea the impact of their words and actions and usually don't give a damn. And how that fundamentally affects and impacts our lives on and off the jobs. And I say this all the time, white people need to, while they're concerned about, you know, how black people, blah, blah, I say, y'all better be glad that we have the humanity not to slap y'all asses every time we see you, just out of sheer goddamn on, on GP, just on general purpose. Because the harm, what we saw on, Jan, on January 6th was the external 
manifestation of what happens to us every day on the job internally. I just wanted to say that thank you for that. I I, I take it. Um, our shared experience and our lived experience definitely shapes us. And I think that is in itself a skill that also needs to be assessed, mm-hmm. assessed in terms of almost put it on a resume that people need to make sure they count it. And, and that's the thing. We, this, we're not making mm-hmm. widgets anymore. We need to be hiring people for their lived experience. And one of the things, one of my earliest jobs in the nineties, I worked for Dell support, tech support over the phone. So that's a lot of where my patience comes from being able to deal with people who, who just are not understanding what's going on. I, I mean, I can't tell you back then how many people say they needed a new computer, but instead what they actually needed was a new monitor. Mm-hmm. Because to them, the computer's not working. There's nothing on the screen. And that is just the endpoint that's representing with some of the problems. And I think going back, George Floyd, January 6th, that's definitely the monitor. People are seeing the problem, what they perceive as the problem, but they are not following the cable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to actually go all the way to the end to make sure everything is working down the chain. And so, uh, and I want to stop you because that goes mm-hmm. back to the Timnit thing. There was a, the more I read about this, this was all about white dudes feelings. Somebody got their feelings hurt and made some decisions that had an impact, mm-hmm. an unexpected, uncalculated impact. And this happens, and that's exactly what you, because they don't, it's, it's just the monitor they're looking at. It is, and it's not new to us. <laughs> we, like you just said, you, you were like, you as the, the support decided, hey, did you check that cable? Did you do that thing? Did you do that thing? Because your lived experience on the phones told you, okay, these are the things I need to go through first. <laughs> and the problem happened for her is when she tried to troubleshoot the problem. Who's who's requesting this? What is their reason for this? Why am I being questioned on this? She asked the questions to figure out what the heck is going on. How did we get here? What 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 are we even talking about? <laughs> and that is that is the thing that caused her to get mm-hmm. let go. Exactly. How her dare questioning. you? How yes. dare you question? How dare you? Just back then, when I was at Dell, I would talk to people who would call and said, yeah, I need four hard drives. These are network administration saying, just send me four hard drives. I said, well, let's do some troubleshooting. Like, Ari did it. I said, well, let's do this. Let's have you done this. Have you tried this? And they would fix it. And they're like, oh, it's fixed. And hang up. Because <laughs> they couldn't say thank you. They couldn't yes. say. <laughs> because you are breaking down their their perception, their words, and them, themselves and their 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 knowledge of and yes. care of themselves yes. to the point where they couldn't even defend it because that is not something that is acceptable and that itself is an injury. Um, and so when privilege is questioned, it is uncomfortable. And so uncomfortable, it's almost like a reflex to stop the pain, right? Stop the hurt. Get rid of that person of color who's complaining. Who they? If I get rid of them, the problem goes and away. And because we have such a um, a binder of acceptable reasons for this, we have a long history of coming up with these reasons. All you have to do is go through the binder. Is okay, Wesley. Okay, he let's he can fit that one <laughs> and and use that mm-hmm. as an excuse. Yeah, and it won't be questioned, right? Be- 
because they that's exactly, the exactly. people authority. Because, but but that's some history. Okay, that's but but it's also because there's history. So there's history to the discrimination and the harm. Mm-hmm. And when you say that they don't want to go and do go back and do the 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 work to repair, they don't they it, it's so it's like a schism. They can do it when it's benefits privilege, but when it's not, it's just like I don't know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. <laughs> like the two people of color of Pinterest that were let go. And yes. then a white woman wins this lawsuit. Pinterest is like, oh wow, now we need to retroactively go back find all the HR complaints and make sure we make right about what we yes. acknowledge we did. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't. And only, and only because somebody knew that this woman won a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's and the same thing is ridiculous with these NDAs, not the, um, the, 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 the anti-defamation ones. I mean, the non, uh, not the non-disclosure, Disper- but the non-disparament. Yeah. How the hell? What? I, you treat mm-hmm. me like shit, and now you gonna hold my money be, to, for, for me to sign. How how utterly disgusting is that? And the fact that they continue to do it, and the fact that there are some companies that I know who I thought better of, glitch. Um, um, that's problematic for me. I think if you cannot defend yourself in the forum about what you've done, you either don't know why you did it can't defend why you did it or aren't willing to make the changes that made you do what you did. And so that is the reason why these non-disparagement clauses are put in these NDAs Mm -hmm. is because they like the way things happen. Things are working as designed. And what's interesting to me is I can go into these companies, first of all, and I call them companies and organizations, because first of all, most of these people don't have businesses. They don't have the processes, procedures, and policies in place to make them businesses. They are scale products and services period. Um, they have no, every time they do HR or every time they do something, it's starting from scratch because they have no idea what the hell they're doing. And yet in these companies, they, the vast majority of them have these NDAs. You don't have anything else, but you thought to have, to, to have this risk management tool at your disposal. You don't know, have a hiring process that's equitable. You don't have uh, any, any of that, but you default Cause you don't talk to some lawyer, I'm sure. <laughs> and you need to have one of these things. And that is fundamentally the problem. This is why I hate whisper networks. I so hate whisper networks because I understand the reason that they exist, but they only benefit the people who are in the, in the network. And it's usually not the most yep. vulnerable person. Yep. You got to get to the point where in these whisper networks that you feel confident enough to talk to someone uh, and be able to put it out there. And that confidence only gives you, uh, some protection, but it's hard to get in, which understandable. There's a lot of sensitive information, but it, it, (laughs) the worst part is when these offenders are offending and they finally get some sort of reckoning in these companies. They go to the next company and just start all mm-hmm. over. That's and that's why I hate whisper networks because yeah. everybody's shut down. No one can talk about it, and every that we see them move to the next country, everybody's cringing because we know what's going to happen. Why do we allow these individuals to continue to perpetuate harming people? And of course, because of who they are, they get the benefit of doubt, then the benefit of doubt, yep. then the benefit of doubt mm-hmm. until and they get money. money, and then they're ruining people's lives 
hurting yes. other people's careers along the way yes. until the company finally, finally says, okay, we're going to do something. And then they start all over again. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing the scene. Currently, this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm, and for prioritizing the most vulnerable is collectively viewed by many as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1, Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. Says, okay, we're going to do something. And then they start all over again. And this is where I did a, I did a, um, right before I went on break for Christmas, I did a poll just asking how many people had the experience of a problematic person Instead of being mm-hmm. removed, Promoted. just being moved around. That everybody gets to be, yeah, everybody's moved. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is shuffled around this individual or these individuals instead of the company dealing with the issue. And this is another, you know, we understand that HR is an is a arm of, of, of the company and it's there to protect the company. I don't understand how an HR functions there. Well, it's becoming clearer now. I understand it because it, it, that's how... In, again, in the in the industrial age, when all you need to do is hire a whole bunch of people to be on your assembly line, when you start using people, losing people like Dr. Timnit and others, you can't easily replace that because mm-hmm. of these toxic individuals. You can't just go go out and, and, and just, hey, and, and go out somewhere and, and just replace them. That's not going to happen. That knowledge is gone. That tacit knowledge that they have from their lived experiences that could help benefit your companies is gone. And black women are, are, are queens at this. <laughs> They're queens at going in your company, learning everything they need to learn, takes your abuse, leaves, and takes all of that with them. And this investment in the short term, I feel good getting rid of this person so hurts in the long run. So even the people who aren't people of color who are left behind are going to speak up less, be challenged. They're going to challenge oh, yeah. less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know in terms of iteration and company, especially in technology, finding the bugs, fixing the bugs 
and doing that cycle over and over again until it makes your product better, making it more accessible, finding the people who couldn't use it before and having it being enabling that makes your product more accessible, which increases your, your user base. So you're, you're making it more durable and you're making it so more people can use it if you allow yourself to make changes for usability, make changes for accessibility, you make changes for, for uh, um, making sure that the people who wouldn't use it before can now use it just for the long term makes you a better company, makes your product better. Uh, and removing these people is just does sets, doesn't just make it irres, uh, you, you can't res- replace those people. The problems that they were finding makes it harder mm-hmm. for them to fix mm-hmm. because now you have all this technical debt that you've built mm-hmm. in that you would not listen in the design phase in the testing phase, <laughs> but you're going to do it in production phase and it's just going to be that much worse. And we're so innovative. We are just the most innovative and clever industry. We just really just rock and roll when it's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. We can make a scooter company all over the place. How many of those companies are still in existence now? Um, I don't no. know any. They all left. They all left my city. I don't know why the hell they came in the first place. We don't have sidewalks. Why the hell these scooter companies are here? But but they get to test their business models, and we don't. We have to come in with a proven business model, proven ideas. And they get to just to, to, just to, but I know why it happens. I know because it fundamentally, just like our lived experiences are ours, we're challenging everything they know to be, they're, to them, the default is reality. For us, we know the default is an illusion. And so we are fundamentally at mass. I tell people right now, I wouldn't want to be a white dude in this country for shit. I wouldn't. I, I I I don't care about it. It's about time, but I wouldn't want to be one, particularly a one that's less evolved. <laughs> if you are taking a hard stance, you will be obsolete. You you're we're not going backwards. A, a friend of mine once said, "Don't get legal advice from someone who has not been arrested. Don't get dieting advice from anyone who's skinny. If people." if people don't have to struggle through things is people don't have to like figure things out. It makes it harder for them to relate and to understand and to see some of the things that just go right over their head. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I know you're on clubhouse, but I'm not sure how often you're on there. Oh, I was on there for all of a weekend. Yeah. I have not deactivated the app yet because I've, I, I, I may find a reason to use it. Uh, but how that whole, I, I just could not find, figure out an effective way to safely bring my community over to have a conversation. I'm like, even if I had a locked private room, then that's more work on my end because people can't find it. <laughs> it's almost like, I mean, Clubhouse is sometimes it feels like a zoo. Oh, my word. In terms of people, people are talking and they're behind a cage listed like. Uh, misogynist mm-hmm. and it's like i'm just i'm just in the room listening I'm like oh my exactly gosh. exactly they, they don't know it's it's just like it feels like i can just listen in and be like oh my gosh they have no clue yes and it feels it feels like that like some people who are on stage are just out there and i'm like oh god they just don't know and it's and it feels i know it's kind of uh 
um, like schadenfreude, like when other people come up, it's like, did you know how offensive you are? And it's just like, <laughs> I listen to it, but it's like, I think it's, it, that's one way that clubhouse, at least I'm not saying I'm enlightened a lot by it. Like there are some really good conversations or really good mm-hmm. facilitators, mm-hmm. but I would say a lot of the people were like how to become millionaires and just, Oh my God. That, about, but what's funny is Twitter about to eat that shit because they, mm, they come in spaces. Up. <laughs> yeah. Twitter spaces. Uh, and there's like no really useful moderation tool. That is the problem for me. And, and how do you build something in 2020 that does not fundamentally have moderation as a fund, particularly when you're talking about building community? I can tell you how. Okay, well, tell us how. <laughs> I'm sure you know the answer. It's <laughs> diversity and inclusion. They didn't have people in the room before this went out mm-hmm. about saying, you know, hey, I'm part of a marginalized community. And so What's going to happen when I'm attacked in this room? What's going to happen when people are trying to silence me? What happens when people talk over me? Uh, and how do I have space? How do you make sure that there's room and there's space for me? And some people don't just try to signal and saying I'm wrong uh, in my own room. Is it pub- Is it open to the public yet? I heard something about a couple of days that they opened the floodgates, but I I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen because anything. my point is they in beta it was a shit show mm. at scale. This is gonna be horrible. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I would I would. I mean, there might be a Trump room in there with my, since he's been deplatformed everywhere else. And we might give him an invite. That makes sense. Exactly. Oh, now speaking of that, this is, so so you have your parlor who is touting, hey, we're the alternative to free speech. Um, And now he's on every little show he can whining about the fact that these companies don't want to touch him. Crisis management issue, baby. That's a partnership. Mm-hmm. This is why I talk about stakeholder value. You need to look at who who works for you, who partners with you, who buys from you, and who invests in you. Your partners are like, no, 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 no. You ain't about to mess up my reputation. Oh, no. Now, they should have did that vetting earlier. It took January 6th for them to say, wait, hold up. But I loved how um, Google and App, I mean, Google and Apple shut it down because, you know, they, they're acting all like, fuck, fuck Twitter. We're going to, you know, we, we, they're, they're beating their chest. And I'm thinking, do these people not know a website is not, is mm-hmm. just, is just a box. They don't understand that. Like you said, the monitor, there's other shit that makes this website work. And so when Apple and Google shut down the app store, people were like, so what we, we, you know, old users. And then they started trying to clone the app for Android. So other new people could get on that. And then when AWS, baby, you have nowhere to Jeff go. Bezos says, say you what? Can- I'm up. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> never seen such a coordinated. I've never seen big tech quote unquote, be this coordinated in its effort in doing anything. And you see the PGAs pulling out. I saw MasterCard is starting to stop processing oh charges God. for all of the people who signed on. Did you see that Twilio? Um, Twilio. Oh, I don't know. How to, is it Twilio? Twilio? Is that how, yeah. They um they um they deplatformed them for their uh, email authentication. But in in their press announcement, um, you need to go to my thing on their press announcement. The they gave some information that these hackers now went into parlor got went into their authentication thing. Um, because Twilio wasn't there to authenticate 
um, copy. So now they're mil- they have like millions of authentic, um, uh, authenticated. I mean, not authenticated. Um, 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 the people who um who run a site, um, who have authority authority c- accounts, and now they have they have all these people shit. They was they, even they say even the ones that um that deleted it, they it, it made it seem like they they didn't mm-hmm. delete them. They just sent the message. They said so they have the FBI and shit has all this shit. Seventy now. terabytes of data data that they were able to download. <gasps> Seventy terabytes of archival information on all these people, all the posts. And then for the, the verified people, the people who want to be verified gave their front and back of their driver's license. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Tech can be shitty as hell most days, but for this one, this is a win. And <laughs> yes, the, the detectives, the, the Twitter sleuths out there finding these pictures, putting <laughs> them out there and saying people, people snitching on them. I, I think, <laughs> but once again, you got to then find these employees who who made complaints to HR find Joe blow, who was on parlor talking all this racist stuff, find that person, find the companies they work for, find the HR complaints, and then find those people and apologize to them, please. Exactly. Exactly. Because somebody has lost their job because mm-hmm. of this asshole. Someone's a lot of law enforcement. So many people got arrested yes. by yes. these people. Yes. Yes. Some people got probably got killed because of mm-hmm. these people. Yes. But the testimony of all the officers in court against their defendants should be looked at. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, it is this, and this is why I stay in this space because tech is as bad as it is. It is the democratizing thing that we all can access. We just need to make it welcoming and psychologically safe for more people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that means, yes, I'm like I tell people, I'm not here to convince or convert. I need these people gone. I need Uncle Bob gone. I need Paul Graham gone. I need Austin who runs um, Lambda School gone. I need these people out of here. I'm not trying to redeem them. I'm not trying to, they need to be gone. They're taking up space that other people with better, um, who are, can better help facilitate the welcoming and psychological safety. They're taking up space. They're taking up money. They're taking up air. They're taking up platforms. They're taking up all kinds of stuff. They got to go. I got to say, for the people who are following these people, who are are quoting them and amplifying their voices, even though they know they're bad, but they're like, it. they... Oh, they can justify it. They give out that, some... I, I just follow them for the technical information. Yes. <laughs> Realize that you are, you are a user. Don't be a user of people. Because what you're doing is you're in being indoctrinated in the same school that these people are forced into. Yes. Mm-hmm. So don't be a user. Be with people. There are so many options out there for people who are caring, mm-hmm. who, who are understand and want to take care of other people. Don't don't follow. Don't. There are so many options. Let it go. Let these let these people go. Let them because, feed on themselves. Because As it, we. It's, it's the same with Twitter. Twitter with, with Donald Trump is like, well, he's going to be mad at us. So mm-hmm. we can't just be, we can't just do this thing. It's, it's uh, let him go. Mm-hmm. The consequences of doing the right thing is worth it. Yes. Instead of the retribution for doing the wrong but thing. But that goes back to your earlier statement. The lack of long-term strategy. The mm-hmm. lack of uh, the the lack of seeing beyond the immediate gratification. Yes, I, a friend of mine hit me up on LinkedIn saying that he was looking for work, and I was helping him find a job and stuff like that. And then I started seeing his posts and saying Donald Trump stuff, and I was like, "Hey, this this stuff is harmful. Uh, why do you support this person?" He's like, "Well, sorry, we have a different political opinion." I was like, "No, no, 
I just want to know why you like trash people. Talk to me, <laughs> explain mm-hmm. it to me. And then he ignored me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm. and I was like, bye, you're done. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. need it. I don't, mm-hmm. If you're not even going to have the dialogue with me, like, Oh, and they love the dialogue. That's how they gaslight us all the time. I just want you to explain. Can yeah. you explain? Give me some proof. <laughs> yeah. He needs to explain to me, not the other way. Exactly. Around. Exactly. And, and him not having that dialogue, I'm like, I'm not even going to deal with that. And this was, what, November? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it's like, now it's like, I don't know if he's looking at himself in that exchange and understanding, like now, and that maybe he's one of the baddies, right? Maybe he's look, he's, he's cheering for the wrong team. And, and if, if it's going to cause you to lose people who you feel care about other people, then you should look at yourself. And, and, and the thing that I say though is, and, and the data proves it. No one escapes white supremacy unharmed. <laughs> no one. Um, even these unremarkable mediocre white dudes in tech are so afraid of their positions because they know what the system is. There's going to be something shinier and brighter that's coming along and they're going to, and, and, and that's another reason why they fear us because we've had to show just to be in the room. And this is why I don't, I call them. They think is a, I'm being, you know, flippant, but no, you are mediocre. You are unremarkable. You have never had to compete. You have not had to compete on an even when you talk about everybody wants to talk about equality on an even playing field with people who have been told their whole lives that how, how much, how, how many X times better we have to be than other people mm-hmm. <laughs> just to be in the room. You don't even know what that's, what that means. That's so sad that people understand how this is so self-harming like the um, secretary of state in Georgia saying that he's getting death threats, but he mm-hmm. still voted for Donald Trump. Yes. He's, he's like and raising the, money in Donald Trump. The Capitol police officer who was killed, was it tr- a Trump yep. supporter? Yep. Um, it because ultimately it doesn't care about people. It cares yes. about power. And, and it's about uh, white supremacy is designed only for two things: chaos and destruction. There is no redemption in it. It only knows chaos and destruction. And if and and so this goes back to a comment you made before: when you when when all the black and brown people are gone, it's just gonna go up the ladder to the next group because now we're not in the room, so we're not the most marginalized. So it's gonna start eating on the next most marginalized. That's what it does. Yep. So what would this has been amazing? I want to really thank you for first of all trusting me with this story. Um, yeah, just I just I have nothing else to say behind it. Just trusting me with this story um, because people need to hear it. Their actions do not go. Actions have mm-hmm. consequences. And just because you've walked away from it, you don't get to destroy people's lives anymore. Those days are over. And we're in mass saying those days are over. So what would you like to say in your final moments on the show? One thing I want to acknowledge, I want to say thank you for having me on, definitely. Um, And uh, that I have had a horrible experience in my history. And I wrote a short blog post about it on Dev2. So if you're on Dev2, you can find me. And uh, No, just share with me the link and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, I'll give it mm-hmm. to you. But I'm going to end this podcast with a summary of that okay. post, which is that the company that I work for, Daily.co, Daily, has been the softest pillow to land on. Mm. I, I, it's, it's one of those things that I've heard about, the unicorn of company culture that I didn't know existed does. That you that you only dreamt about, <laughs> only dreamt about. Uh, so 
um, forgiving, so understanding, so letting me do what I think needs to be done, uh, really, really focusing on care and compassion, not only of their employees, but their customers, uh, reaching out on Wednesday, people, the co-founders putting out there, I don't know about y'all, but I can't focus. Take all the time you need. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, whatever you need, take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is that's something that where being able to to see that and hear that and experience that as see a place it demonstrated that I work from leadership. See it yes. demonstrated from leadership level. Yes. Not only that, I approached the co-founders. I was like, I'm going to write this personal post. I'm just going to do it because I need to get it out there. And they're like, Yes, please, please do it. Mm-hmm. And then when I wrote it and I tweeted it out, they retweeted it from the corporate account. Mm-hmm. They're like, Everyone needs to see this. Mm-hmm. It's the the amount of support. Is I, I I can't say that uh, say it enough. I can't express the amount of gratitude, and it's it's this care that they feel for people, and how it permeates the company, and it shows in their products and their services. Um, <laughs> uh, I, and they allow me to do podcasts like this on their dime because they know how important it is to me and how I want to tell mm-hmm. my story and how everyone in tech needs a little bit of hope that things can change and there are better places. And I've got, I've been in that place where I've like, I'm just getting what I can. I need to survive. This is paying my bills. I'm just going to take it because that's the only thing I can do. And people in privilege say, well, just quit your job. Just, just, just quit your job. Mm-hmm. Everyone could do that. But I do want to say when you get to the point where you're looking, don't immediately X out diversity, inclusion, and acceptance on your criteria when you're looking for your next role. Because it does exist. It did there exist. are places, there mm-hmm. are places that do it. And I just, you know, hold out hope that it'll be the majority instead of the minority in the future. Thank you so much, Wesley. This has been amazing. Thank you, Kim. Have a wonderful day. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Call to Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call to Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtagcallthescene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.